Hey everyone, and welcome back to Health by Heather Hirsch. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on why I think the show Sex in the City was such an important show and what my predictions or hopes are for how the reboot and just like that is going to portray women's sexuality in midlife and at menopause. So if you're interested, I hope you are. Stick around. It's going to be a really fun show today. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. I can't believe it is mid-December. This year has it just flown by so fast. And I think as each passing year, we always say this. And I think as each year we get older, it becomes more and more true. Like time just seems to evaporate. Um, So I hope that uh, before we get in today's show, you are sitting down and reflecting about your goals for 2021 and what you may have achieved and what you still would like to achieve and how you're rolling that over into 2020. You know, it is such a good time to take stock in how the year went. And for me, I like to journal. And so this is around the time where I start to really think back and think about what I've accomplished in the year. If you know a little bit about me, you know this has been a really crazy year. I had a baby born at 30 weeks, so I was in and out of the NICU. I have been building my menopause and midlife clinic at the Brigham and Women's Hospital here where I see patients in Boston, Massachusetts. I am writing a book, which I did a podcast on. If you're a subscriber to the show, it's a subscriber episode about what my book is going to be about. And I have a new fellow that I'm training. So I'm not the only one who, you know, in the Boston area, um, who seemingly is doing midlife and menopause. And it's just been a really exciting year, both personally and professionally. I took a break from the show and came back and I'm really excited to be able to be podcasting. And I just have so many great colleagues and friends lined up to do episodes with me. I wanted to talk about the reboot of Sex in the City because, you know, honestly, I'm such a big Sex in the City fan. And Sex in the City ran, if, if you weren't, if you didn't watch the show, Sex in the City is really the show that put HBO on the map. And it's really one of the very first shows where people would watch on like a streaming service. And Sex and the City came out before The Sopranos. And a lot of people think about The Sopranos as putting HBO on the map, but really those two shows came out around the same time with Sex and the City coming out first. And Sex and the City, it ended in 2004, which is when I graduated college. And I remember watching the season finale in 2004. And I believe it ran for six seasons. And so it started in like the mid to late 90s. One of the things that I think is so iconic about Sex and the City is that it is definitely one of the first shows that the main characters were women 
and their sexuality was explored from a female lens, as opposed to a show about women's sexuality from a male gaze or a male lens. And this was such a different kind of show. You know, since almost 20 years have passed, certainly not 20 years, but since almost 20 years have passed, um, since the show kind of aired and ended, of course, things have advanced a lot since then. But for a show in the late 90s to be about women being single in their 30s and childless and, you know, having uh, sexual encounters and talking about them and et cetera and talking about it at brunch and all of this was and is still really iconic. And it's cool to see that this show about women's sexual health and sexuality and friendship and personal and professional life is coming back. But now they're in menopause. And seemingly it's also a show exploring midlife and postmenopause sexuality. And certainly I have my thoughts on the first two episodes and this will contain spoilers. So please do not listen past this if you don't want to hear the spoilers, although there's been plenty and plenty and plenty of memes online. So you may already know what those main spoilers are. But what I'm really interested is in thinking about how this iconic show, Sex and the City, is coming back nearly 20 years later. And now these women are not 35, but they're now 55. And what that means for their professional and personal lives. To drive this point home, I really can't think of another show about women's lives in their mid-50s that is talking and speaking so directly to sexuality, dating relationships, and how that, you know, interferes or intermeshes with their personal lives. And, you know, the one show that comes to mind is like Frankie and Grace, which is on Netflix. And yes, those two women are definitely postmenopausal, but they're in their 70s and 80s. And while that's not to negate that, it's certainly not like the crux of midlife and menopause where you're, you know, oftentimes still taking care of um, little kids like Charlotte, for example, and Miranda, who both have kids and parents, and you're still working or you're at the peak of your career or like Miranda, you're going back to school. Um, and, and so it's such an interesting coming of age story about menopause. And it's something that we just don't have a lot of. And even though that's not exclusively written and there's lots of fancy clothes and fancy designer bags and jewelry to kind of uh, give the mirage. That's not really what this is about underlying it all. I think to me, that's what it's really about. And I'm interested to see how these characters are going to explore their lives now that they're seemingly menopausal. And I say seemingly just because, you know, statistically the average age of menopause is 51 and a half in the United States and menopause can, you know, be anywhere from your late forties to your mid fifties. Uh, but seemingly in the show, um, Carrie Brad. Shaw is 55, Charlotte's 55, Miranda's probably 55, 56, 57. And then of course there's Samantha who would be 65 if she was in the show, um, but we know that she's not. Her 
her character was written off as moving to London. Um, and you know, Kim Cattrall did not want to come back for the show. And Kim Cattrall was so iconic in her role as Samantha. This was really one of the very first characters who freely and liberally spoke about how sexually advanced she was, how important that was to her, what a priority it was to her, um, and how her sexuality was so not defined by gender or age or race. And I'm certainly no expert in media and pop culture, so please do not mistake me for that. And I want to just put that disclaimer out there. Um, but clearly, I don't think many people would argue that her character uh, and Kim Cattrall's role in playing that was immensely important in women's femininity more than we probably know, more than we probably know. So I have watched the first two episodes and uh, I have some thoughts about them. <laughs> One thing, I, I don't know if you, you know, if you're a fan of the show, you're probably going to love this episode. If you're not really a fan or you didn't watch Sex and the City or you're not watching it or you're not watching and just like that, you can still get a lot from this episode because I think it will be interesting to just kind of follow along um, in terms of if this show will explore and specifically discuss menopause and midlife um, or if it's going to kind of like skirt around it as still, which which is fine, which is something it could do, but also sort of explore some of the things that happen uh, predominantly to women in midlife and at menopause. So uh, if you're not a fan, you know, I'm going to kind of do a recap after the next eight episodes come out, just because I'm interested to see how um, both the producers of the show, which includes Sarah Jessica Parker and the actresses are going to bring to light or not bring to light midlife and menopausal symptoms. So I did watch the first two episodes and, you know, again, spoiler alert, I already said that before, but I never realized how selfish Carrie Bradshaw was and seemingly she really kind of got more selfish as she aged. It seems like, you know, in the first, in the first, um, scene in the first episode there at brunch. And there's, this is when actually a couple interesting things happen. Uh, but gosh, she's really sort of so self-absorbed, doesn't really want to hear about Miranda's story, really doesn't want to hear about Charlotte's story and really just kind of wants to eat and then get out of there, which is just kind of sort of interesting. Um, but in that first scene, not only is Carrie really demonstrating right off the bat how self-absorbed she is, but, um, Miranda's talking about how she's going to go back to school. And so Miranda's character, again, she's in her mid fifties and she has a son who is, you know, seemingly like in high school and she's married to her husband, Steve, and she has been a very smart, um, very professional lawyer, um, in sex in the city. And so her character is now going to go back to school because she wants to, uh, get more advanced training or degrees in human rights and, you know, use her law degree to help underserved populations is what it sounds like. And so Charlotte, the sort of prim and proper friend of the group says, are you going to dye, dye your hair? You know, look all nice and young and fresh. And that was in the first scene. So I was like, yes, they're going to discuss, they're going to, they're going to bring up the fact that they're older and, and what this means for them to each of them. Like, obviously they're older. Yes. No, I don't think they're trying to hide that. Miranda clearly ha is rocking her gray hair and she looks gorgeous gorgeous. Um, and, uh, she's like, no, I'm not dying my hair. Um, and they have this whole interchange about, you know, 
the, the undertones of that are really, you know, shouldn't you look more youthful since you're going to be a student, since you're going back to school? And ultimately, Miranda tells Charlotte, you don't want me to age because you don't want to age. If I'm aging and you're the same age, then you're aging. And so it's this really inter- interesting interchange that really happens in the first scene of the show. So I'm wondering if there will be more exchanges like that. And then later as Carrie and Miranda are walking, you know, Miranda kind of gives her, um, friend, uh, sorry, (laughs) Carrie, I keep interchanging their like real names with their characters' names, but we're going to call them by their characters' names. So Miranda asks Carrie if she should dye her hair and Carrie's like, absolutely not. Um, and Carrie admits to actually dyeing her hair, um, but sort of in like a, you know, midlife, cool way, which I don't know what she's really alluding to. And I kind of like that right off the bat, we see that you can dye your hair or you can not dye your hair and either's totally fine. But I do like that they addressed uh, aging in that way. So one of the things that I'm wondering about from Miranda's character is how she's going to kind of navigate what I think a lot of women experience, which is she really typifies um, this um, experience of being at the peak of your career, then wanting to do more and go back to school and having a child and having a partner or spouse. And they allude to in sort of the... Uh, previews that there's, um, you know, sort of a, so, so their son's having like all this sex with his girlfriend and they're sort of like not having sex anymore. Right. So this desire, this libido, um, this dynamic in their relationship. And since the show is not only centered on, you know, these women, but sex, um, I wonder how that's going to play out for this character specifically. And I wonder if they're going to address things uh, like pain or low desire or changing desire or, um, differences and attractions and etc. and what that all means. Now, maybe I'm hoping way too much for this <laughs> um, and that's totally fine, but, I, and I think they might very subtly and maybe not know it like that they're really discussing medical things like hypoactive sexual desire disorder or genital urinary syndrome of menopause or menopause in general, but they are, they are um, without knowing it. So I'm kind of interested to see how that is going to expand for that character, Miranda. And then the only other thing I'll say, if you're a Sex and the City fan, is there is no way in heck that Miranda is so culturally like insensitive um, as she sort of is in this first episode, because there's just no way. You know, she was, either she went to Harvard or Yale for med school. I think she went to Harvard for med school. I can't remember in the Sex and the City, but she's a brilliant, smart, sassy woman. And while Sex and the City was definitely centered around white women's perspectives. I just don't think that her character would be so, you know, culturally insensitive and not understand something like pronouns or hairstyles and how important those are culturally and historically and personally and et cetera. So I think that's this, this show is trying a little too hard, which that's fine. It can, you know, nothing will be as iconic as Sex in the City because you can't go back and do the very first show to talk about sexuality. And that was Sex in the City. So this, this can't be that right by nature. And we, we all kind of probably agree the movies were really bad. Um, but again, I'm, I'm more looking at this as I, it's a little bit of nostalgia mixed with, you know, I'm a menopause doctor. So this is a show about women's sexuality, you know, in their fifties. 
So moving on, then we have Charlotte. And Charlotte is sort of the prim and proper friend at uh, the friend group. And uh, I'm interested to see what will happen with her. So she's, you know, 55 in the show is kind of her stated age. And they say that right off the bat. And she has two um, younger children than her friend Miranda. So her children are, I don't know what ages, let's say they're middle school. But what this typifies to me, which is something I see clinically, is that women are having children uh, later in life. And this is what happened to Charlotte's character uh, in the show. Uh, she got married to her first husband, Trey, I think at 30, 32 or 35, because she, she did, she was the character that felt like she had to get married and she didn't feel complete. She didn't feel whole until she got married. Um, and the thing of it was, is that she kind of, in a way, kind of dug her own grave because uh, this guy just was not really right for her. And they never really had a very in-depth conversation about how much they both wanted children. It turned out Charlotte really did at all costs and Trey did not. So in the Sex and the Series show, she undergoed um, IVF treatments. And this is actually interesting and an interesting, I think, part of the story of midlife and menopause and women's health in general is what impact um, infertility treatments may or may not have on, you know, entry into perimenopause, perimenopausal symptoms, because certainly I do see many women who delay childbearing because of either professional reasons or personal reasons. They just haven't found the right person yet. And they have their children later in life and they have their pregnancies after undergoing IVF treatments, which is a lot of hormones and stimulation. And then they're breastfeeding, their estrogen becomes really low. And then they just kind of go right into full throttle perimenopause. Now that just could be anecdotal and that could just be what I see. And perhaps the people who do IVF that are doing great, they don't come to see me, but it is something that I kind of wonder about because I start to see it more and more and more. So this is kind of what happens to Charlotte character and in no way, shape or form are they thinking about this as hard as I am in the writer's room, but she had children later in life. She adopted one child and then she got pregnant um, naturally, um, miraculously <laughs> um, later after she adopted her, her daughter. And so she's menopausal and she's got younger children. And I wonder how that will affect uh, her relationship, um, how she feels about herself, especially her um, character in aging, because her character is, uh, I don't know if I want to call her vain, but she, I'm not really sure. But she certainly is um, sort of wants to be picture perfect, you know, was on the cover of Good Housekeeping, right, in Sex and the City with her first husband, Trey. And so I wonder what effects aging might have. And if she's going to discuss this at all, I don't know. It might not be part of the storyline, but I'm kind of putting my projections out there. Um, and you know, she seems to be seemingly really happy with her second husband, Harry. And if you watch Sex and City, he's just kind of this amazing underdog character, great guy, uh, who seems to uh, really respect Charlotte so much. And I think seeing that kind of happy, realistic marriage on camera on TV is, is really good. So then we get into Carrie's character and I, I, you know, I think maybe we're all a little bit self-centric in our 20s and so we see a lot of ourselves in Carrie and the nice thing nice thing or the interesting thing about Carrie and her character is she's kind of the every woman 
in a way, you know, they don't talk a lot about her backstory. They don't talk about her family. You actually don't even know much about her parents or if she has siblings or even where she's from. Like you don't know anything about Carrie Bradshaw. And I, they do that purposely so that you can kind of imprint yourself on her. You know, she's not the seemingly wild one. That's Samantha. She's not the, you know, prim and proper and perfect one. That's Charlotte. You know, those are kind of like the unattainable spectrums. And so Carrie kind of represents this could be any one woman, right? Who's kind of finding herself. So we, at some point we all may see ourselves in Carrie a little bit and she struggles in relationships and we all do. So again, that's very, um, uh, appealing as we're kind of thinking about our lives, but want a different lens. We can look through Carrie's lens. Anyways, now that I'm almost 40, wow. So, you know, her big dies, uh, which is, it, so I know why big dies, right? Big has to die because how else will you write a show about Carrie and her relationship and dating and sexuality if big is alive and big exists unless they either go through a terrible divorce or something like that. And I think I was reading somewhere that Chris North, who plays big, um, didn't want this, you know, character big to and her to get divorced or have some fallout. And so it, it actually just made more sense that he would die in, in, in sex and city. He has a heart condition. I think he had a stent put in, in like one of the seasons. And so that kind of made the most sense. Although, you know, you guys know, I love my Peloton. And so it, it was like, I watched it before the spoilers came out. So I didn't know that this was about to happen, but I was like, no, this, no, this can't be happening. This is not going to happen. This is not, this is the first episode. I was totally in shock, you know, but yeah, he, he dies and and that makes the most sense. But you know, anyways, so it'll be interesting to see because now this will open up Carrie to dating and relationships and sexuality and questions like that, that of course, as a menopause doctor and through that lens, I'm kind of interested to see, um, but yeah, what a selfish character. So she calls her best friend Miranda and she gets her house. And her first thing she says after she gives her a big hug is like, what am I going to do? And Miranda's like, well, you're going to stand here and they're probably going to wheel the body out. But she didn't mean, what am I going to like physically do? She meant like, what will happen to me now? Like, who will I be? And immediately she went to self, you know, like, who will I be now? Because seemingly I've been identifying myself based off men for so long. And, uh, you know, we, we, there's this huge, like 18 year gap that we don't really know about Carrie and Big's relationship, but seemingly looked like it was pretty fine. And, you know, she's like, now what will happen to me? So just a selfish character. And I think that's going to continue, you know, the memes and the TikToks that have come out since the people have watched the first two episodes are like not friendly at all about it. Not really nice. And, you know, it's just, it's never going to be as good as Sex and the City. And of course, that's the problem with any reboot. It's never going to be as good as the original series. So can they combine nostalgia with something new? You know, that's what we all kind of want to see. And what I want to see is, are they subtly or more explicitly going to explore what sex and dating and relationship and partnerships mean to women in their mid fifties? And I'm totally psyched to see if there's anything that we can glean from this because of the impact that sex in the city had on society and culture at large. And just like that will probably have an impact in even if people are talking about how terrible the show is or how bad it was that big died or how terrible it was the way they wrote off Samantha's character people are still talking about it and at the end of the day 
people are still talking about it. And so it's going to make its way subconsciously into subculture and pop culture. So Samantha is going to be really, really missed. This was uh, Kim Cattrall's character, uh, Samantha, who really defined sexuality for women in the 2000s and what it meant to talk about sex and have an opinion about sex and place it above other things like friendship at times or partnership at times. And um, so, you know, because of this, her character and, and her as an actress will greatly be missed. And that seems to be the really big underlying um, takeaway in terms of Twitter and social media is that people really miss Kim Cattrall and her character. Um, and so there's not that much to say um, because she's not in the show, um, but such an icon um, for playing uh, Samantha and doing it so well. Um, there's just been no character like that since that I can think of. I certainly haven't watched every single show that exists on the planet. So if you, you know, think of one that you think is interesting and you'd like me to watch, send me a DM. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm at hormone.health.doc. And I'm also on Twitter at Heather Hersham D and TikTok at Heather Hersham D. And, uh, so I thought this was a really nice opportunity and fun to kind of reflect upon, how important sex in the city was for women's health and in ways that we just are, are so ingrained now that it's hard to really remember what life would be like without the show, whether you watched it or not. You know, it's such an iconic show that people can make references to it who've never even seen it and, and kind of know what it means That's to me, like the epitome of what an iconic show is. And, um, you know, this show will probably not be able to, uh, you know, live up to sex in the city, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to watch every single minute of it and still enjoy it for what it is and see if I can seemingly take away, um, some little bits and pieces about, um, what they're going to write about women in their fifties. So anyways, I hope you follow along with me. I hope you're enjoying uh, the reboot of the podcast. You know, obviously this isn't a reboot. I just took a break over the summer, but I'm really enjoying being back on air recording. And, um, it's just been a delight hearing so many people say how much they really love the show and they missed it. Um, so yeah, I am back. So thank you so much for listening in and I can't wait to kind of come back to this, um, probably like in February when they wrap up the show and just kind of give you more about my thoughts. I'll take some notes as I go and I will see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye guys. Thank you for spending your time with me. If you love the show, please go ahead and give it a star or review. I thank you in advance.